Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, CEO here at Scrum.org, talking to you from a sunny Boston, Massachusetts, which, is, uh, which has been unusual. It's been raining a lot here. Now, today's podcast I'm really very excited about because we're talking about a topic that really does interest me, you know, over the last 20 years or so since I've been involved in the Agile movement. Um, Japan has always loomed in the psyche of agility because of lean manufacturing, Toyota production system, Toyota design system, the ideas of that new new product game that was written by the the same authors that that talked about the Toyota the Toyota way. So Japan has been this very interesting topic. So today's podcast, we're very fortunate that um, we have a uh, a professional Scrum trainer based in in Japan, in Tokyo, uh, Gregory Fontaine. Um, so I'd like to welcome Gregory to the to the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Gregory. Hi, Dave. Welcome, everyone. Yeah, I'm calling from a rainy Tokyo late evening, but uh, yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you. And uh, so you're not Japanese. Uh, you weren't born in Japan, right, uh, Gregory? So tell me a little bit about your journey to Tokyo and to Japan and doing agility in Japan. Sure. So I'm 38. I came to Japan six years ago when I was 32. I was already a um, scrum master and a um, consultant at the time. And uh, as I was consulting for one of my clients in France, in Paris, they had an office in Tokyo and they were looking to um, implement some of the things that were working well for them in France, also in the Tokyo office, or at least explore. And when they heard that I knew some Japanese, just a little bit at the time, but some Japanese, they said, uh, why don't you come over? And uh, that's what uh, took uh, me and my family to, to Tokyo six years ago. Wow, that's a that's a big, big, big move. Um, so I guess you know we'll start with the elephant in the in in the room. Uh, there was a recent survey that you shared with me at um, IPA Survey 2021 uh, that does not paint a particular great picture of agility in in, in Japan. Um, what's your take on that? And, you know, how is agility in Japan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big, uh, big one. I don't know if we can explore it exhaustively in ten minutes, but but I can try and share a few, few perspectives on that. Yeah. Th- so there's this great paper from um, the um, IPA in Japan, uh, a white paper they published um, a couple of years ago, and which I think they're going to be keeping on updating every now and then. And um, they asked questions to people in different industries in uh, organizations in Japan and uh, the US. And um, let me share just some of those questions. One of them was, for instance, um, how much progress have you made with uh, design thinking in your organization, with agile development in your organization, with DevOps in your organization? And uh, possible answers were from, we do not know what it is, 
all the way through, we are using it company-wide. And uh, the difference um, between US and, and Japan is, uh, is, uh, yeah, is mind-boggling. Um, to say the least, uh, we can see, for instance, that agile development is, according to the respondents in the US, used company-wide by 25% of the organizations. And that number is only 4.3% in Japan. Oh, wow. um, for DevOps, that would be 3%. Design thinking, wow. yeah, 4.5%. So now you might argue that maybe it's just that they, they are not familiar with the term or the concept or, 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 or the tool or the technique, but the underlying principles are already in place. But there are other questions that clearly tell us that this is not the case. For example, let me share just one, one more item in the report. The question was, um, in your organization, IT systems can be updated quickly and securely in response to changes from not achieved at all, not, we are not able to do that at all, all the, all the way through, we can do that uh, easily. And um, in the US, 35.8% of the respondents said, yeah, we can do that. And uh, in Japan, that 3.6%. Oh, that's very worrying. So other questions in the report, very, very um, um, to the point as well. Um, regard, but anyways, they all kind of paint the same um, picture. Those questions in the report, which is, um Japan organizations for the most part are not where um the US is and it's not just a difference in the techniques that are used or the practices that are in place it also um impacts the ability to respond to change and um, yeah agility so I think it does matter and it is an important question for anyone who cares about um, the future of Japan economy so it, it is interesting because obviously we, we don't do agile to be agile. We do it to deliver more value faster, to respond to the environment we're at, to create an environment where teams are empowered to, to deliver value, etc. So do you think that, that, that these survey results, you know, obviously the time to market kind of thing, which you described as when there's a problem, how quickly, you know, can we fix it sort of stuff? Do you think that that this that the survey results are illustrative of that. Let's let's just pick on innovation, for instance. Do you feel that Japanese companies have an innovation challenge? Um, uh, do you think that? Um, maybe I'm going to contradict myself a number of times during this this um, this podcast because some people uh, um, are too pessimistic and some people are maybe just not seeing how big the opportunity is. So I want to speak to those two populations. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to innovation, I, I think I think there are some innovating uh, innovative companies out there in Japan and uh, innovative products uh, are being developed. Um, not just 30, 40 years ago, but even, even today, um, it's happening. Uh, in the gaming space, of course, you've got uh, products that uh, everybody knows about, Sony's PlayStation 5 and Nintendo Switch. Um, you've got Toyota, Nissan and Honda investing in hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, maybe not uh, 
um, commercializable uh, product yet, but it's definitely um, um, promising technology and, and those companies are at the forefront of it. Uh, you've got um, companies innovating in the robotics field as well, like uh, SBRG, um, SoftBank Robotics Group. They are number one globally in sales of um, professional facility robots. Maybe you've seen them as one of your McDonald's in the US. I think, I think yes. McDonald's is one of their clients, yeah. You've got Fanuc in the industry field as well, um, industrial robots that are also blockbusters in the field. You've got uh, Fujifilm uh, with um, advanced diagnostic imaging solutions. You've got uh, pharma companies as well, um, Takeda in the oncology space, for instance, um, ASI, Chugai, Astelas, um, Daichi Sankyo. So you, 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 and, and then you've got space as well. So JAXA is big in space. You've got uh, some startups in space. Um, a, st a Japanese startup called iSpace just failed to, uh, but at least they tried and they were almost there, yeah, to land a rover on the moon just a few days ago. So yeah, it's, it, it's, it's wrong. It's incorrect to say that Japan is not innovating at all. And, and one, one more, more piece of data for everyone. Um, if you look at the uh, number of patent applications, Japan is, is number three behind uh, China in the US. Yeah. Um, if you look at, um, well, you're going to say that's just investment, that's just input, but R&D investment is huge in, huge in Japan. So I see potential. Uh, I definitely see potential. Um, you've got also the um, GII, Global Innovation Index, which is an interesting piece of data. It ranks Japan um, as number 13th in the world in terms of innovation. Um, so yeah, it has some potential. Now, could it do better? Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, could agility help? I also believe that strongly, yes. And do you think that really this sort of like, these kind of opposing ideas of, Agility is obviously we have some data that shows that agile's not that successful or organizations aren't aren't doing that. And then we've got all of these amazing innovators around, you know, that Japan is delivering to the to the world. So do you think that it, it is more mainstream companies in Japan are having a, a really hard time doing innovation, doing agility, becoming more um, do you think that's the case, Gregory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, definitely happening. There, you, you can't develop a product that has the kind of, um, like Nintendo Switch, with the kind of user experience that it has without using an empirical approach, obviously. So that know-how of developing something empirically exists in Japan, obviously. But... It doesn't seem to penetrate uh, all the industries, um, and 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 that's a shame. Yeah, and we saw the same. I, I describe uh, agile adoption in the in US as really late majority now, and uh -huh. you know, if an organization hasn't got some sort of set of capability around agility, I, I'm surprised. And uh, the ones that tend not to have or or are doing early adoption now 
tend to be in that sort of like late adopter paradigm. That might be because of the economics of the industry they work in. Maybe it's a slow industry. It might be because of the limited use of technology in that industry. Maybe it's construction, though construction, interestingly, now has become technology crazy. The use of um, planning, the use of material science, the use of technology is, is sort of like skyrocketed just to get time to market. But it, it the digital footprint of these organizations or the, these industries tend to be low. Now in Japan, it, and it seems to be that the early majority is still, it's more in that stage. Would, is that a right hypothesis, do you think, or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I want to bring one more point um, here. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure to what extent this is true, but it feels like um, Japan is doing okay in terms of innovation still, and it still does good in R&D and patent applications and, and so on. Not because it's great at agility, but, but because it has other assets very smart, well-educated people, really hardworking people, uh, great institutions, um, e efficiency, effectiveness, the ability to execute. These could be assets that they have that compensate for the lack of agility. Of course, they would wanna leverage agility while preserving those other assets, but, but it could be that they barely, they barely managed to be uh, innovative enough to, to, to stay um, you know, in the top 15 of the most innovative countries because of those other assets, possibly. That's, that's interesting. So ultimately, the, the things that make them awesome, <laughs> that obviously create that innovation and, and do stuff, but unfortunately, they could be even more awesome, is what you're saying, if they thought about just some of the ideas of, of agility. So let's let's lean into that a little bit, Gregory, in, in the sort of like last section of this podcast. And this is obviously an introduction. I think there's going to be opportunity for several more. But let's just lean into culture, because I think that's where... I've seen, and we have PSTs in Japanese organizations that I've been invited to. And the one thing that is starkly different from, you know, going to these kind of organizations compared to going to the traditional US organizations is the culture. You, you can feel it's a different company when you, when you go in, even though these have all been based in the US, the ones I, well, and Europe where I visited. So talk me for a little bit about culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way that I look at it, nothing in Japan is going to be a showstopper for agility. There are going to be delays or different obstacles, um, but um, but I'm very confident that they are going to be uh, unique assets as well. And uh, I've seen enough um, Japanese organization be successful at ad adopting um, new ways of working and um, I've seen and worked with successful scrum teams enough to be able to say that it, it can happen yeah um, so but yeah let's see what are some of those um, obstacles um, to agile adoption cultural obstacles let's say so Japanese, let me just name a few. And if you want to explore more, happy to, uh, to, to, to um, dive deeper. But um, there's more rules and more warnings here. 
what could go wrong? Let's list everything that could go wrong and let's have a plan for all of those things. Yeah. They, they like, they, I don't know if they like rules, but they have a high tolerance for rules, <laughs> much more than the French people, for instance. I, I can't speak for <laughs> uh, the American people, but I know, I know that the French don't have that, that tolerance for, for rules and warnings. Um, they also take pride in careful planning. A meeting, a successful meeting is not necessarily going to be a meeting where a lot was learned and uncovered. It's more like a meeting where things happened as planned. Yeah. And uh, if as a facilitator, you haven't, you haven't planned everything and controlled everything, um, then you haven't done a good job is uh, how people are going to look at you as the facilitator or the owner of a meeting. Yeah. Um, risk aversion is a big topic it depends how what we mean by it but generally speaking i think japanese people are um yeah risk averse um the incentive for doing something new that might fail like even if like let's let's say you are you you have a bet and um it's uh 55 likely to succeed and 45 likely uh, not to succeed you should in the long run always be making that bet right Yep. Except, except if uh, if you're risk averse, if you feel that the price of failing is higher than the um, uh, reward for being successful, and I think that's kind of uh, how it is here in many organizations, uh, they don't reward um, uh, risk takers, um, and if you fail, sometimes you go on TV, you apologize, and things like that. So, risk aversion, um, you know. They are detailed, detail oriented as well. So these things don't help. So tell and, and hierarchy. I've always hierarchy. been very struck in the organizations I've gone into that there's a there's a, a hierarchical element that that I, I barely understand being a sort of Englishman in, in America who seems to yeah. So I sort of go in there with my usual bombastic way. So it's quite a hierarchical culture from, from what I've observed from these organizations. Yes, there are things that put barriers um, and hierarchies between people uh, right from the get-go, such as uh, the kind of grammar and language and words that you're going to use depends on uh, who is this more senior person um, or who's the boss. So yeah, those things don't help, that's for sure. But 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 but. But, but I'm not so sure it, it has a big impact on uh, how decisions are made, for instance. Oh. I think, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think, I think in the US, your, your leaders, uh, you, you appreciate a strong leader who makes um, bold decisions and everyone follows, right? There's the Steve Jobs guilt. Yes, this, the Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, right. Jeff right. Bezos, these sort of guys, exactly. yeah. Exactly. In a sense... In a sense, an organization that values consensus-based decision-making might, might, might be better off um, when it comes to um, adopting uh, agile ways of making decisions. So I'm not so, I'm, yeah, there are different ways to look at it. Um, now, when you one, one, one more aspect is that you said that agility is at a, a stage here in Japan where only the early adopters are doing it, many of whom they don't know that they are doing agile development, but, but yeah, I think you're right. 
those companies that are really hierarchical, where as soon as um, a senior person comes in the room, then everyone changes their attitude, those organizations, I'm not, I'm not too interested in those organizations yet because I know they're not going to be next to adopt agility. Yeah. yeah, I'm more interested for the next few years to come in uh, helping organizations that are not familiar with agility, but that have a culture that is um, um, suitable for different ways of uh, organizing, working, making decisions, and so on. So, And many so organizations think, are like that, I think. So, Gregory, so ultimately, there are some challenges in, culturally. It's funny, you, I, it is impossible to totally generalize. You know, there's companies in the US that are very different from other companies in the US. There's companies in the Netherlands, there's companies in France, Germany, England, wherever it is. It, you know, these, these generalizations are interesting, though they're not necessarily always accurate. However, I have to say the, the, um, the Netherlands is a great example of probably one of the most agile places I've ever been you know, in terms of you go to you go to Starbucks and the person opposite you has you you wearing your Scrum.org t-shirt and somebody goes, I've got a PSM. You're like, whoa, okay, hi, <laughs> nice to, nice to meet you. It, it's I've never been to a country more. And to some extent, many of the things that you described are the opposite in in the Netherlands. For instance, they don't really hierarchy is not really they challenge everything. They're always looking for delivering value. I mean, if you build a country below sea level, you you know, there's always going to be the need for empirical feedback data, checking things, you know, that sort of small bets because, you know, there might be a flood tomorrow. So I think there are some some interesting learnings from the culture of of, of countries and the, where these organizations or these teams reside. Um, however, obviously, we always have to look at it with a little bit of a, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's interesting, it's not necessarily always accurate. So tell me, and, and just in this final few minutes of the podcast, and I think I'd love to lean in a little bit uh, on some of these more of these topics. So how, when you've been working with these organizations, how have you encouraged them to change some of these behaviors? What's the, the way? Is it the classic model, which is the US model, which is small success leads to big success, prove, prove it over and over and over again, and slowly people start to pay attention to it? Or is there some different formula in, in, in Japan and in, in Tokyo where you are? Not that I have seen. Um, in all cases, it's been as you described start small um usually um with even if you start small with uh sponsorship at the highest level mm. um and then see from there um i can tell a couple of stories maybe here or at least, at least just one uh when i was a consultant um a few years ago one of our clients was um um large Japanese insurance company, um, very traditional one that has existed for centuries. And, um, and they decided they, they realized um, that there was a market opportunity with um, um, customers in their 20s or 30s, um, and that they were 
late compared to their competitors in that particular segment. And um, the main reason for uh, them being late was their lack of um, a digitalization of many of their processes and the marketing channels and so on. So they decided to tackle that problem uh, using um, to tackle that problem. And so after a few weeks or months of um, uh, discussing how they were going to do that and what kind of team they needed for that, um, everyone was on the same page that they needed a cross-functional team that was able to test ideas super quickly. And so they staffed a team of um, financial planners and uh, IT folks and designers and so on. And all those people would be put into um, one big team room that was just before COVID. And uh, they were able to design new features and push them to production uh, on their website. They were able to uh, design new scripts for the financial planners. And the next day, the financial planners would test those scripts on the phone with the customers and come back to the teams and, and debrief. And all of that was um, made possible because of that high level uh, sponsorship. And from there, the organization learned and they learned that they, they would benefit from a similar approach uh, elsewhere in their organizations as well. I've got other stories that are very similar. Start small yet with a strong level of sponsorship and expand. Yeah, and I think that that's the key really. And, and that's the key in, in the US as well. It's like, I think it's, this is no secret source. Uh, I, I think it's the worldwide model. Start small, get that executive sponsorship, get those, get those wins, demonstrate that value, persuade those cynics, get them as the, as advocates. And then slowly, slowly you, 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 the adoption grows. And, and, it, and even if it doesn't, at least you've managed to do one thing well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, right? Exactly. Okay. We can't describe the surface, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is, um, it is, it's always interesting. I'm, I'm super excited about the Japanese market. I, we, what we didn't have chance to talk about today, which I really would like to spend some more time on, is um, a little bit more what, what is different. I think we should explore that in a little bit more detail. And also this connection with Lean and, and how relevant Lean is to the Agile movement, but also to, to the, the culture of, of, uh, of Japan. So I'd, I'd like to put a little pin in that. Let's come back to that. In a, in a future episode. And um, thank you for spending the time, Gregory, with us today. Thank you, Dave, for asking great questions as always. And happy to have a, another session later. later. Brilliant. All right, everybody. Um, I'd like to thank Gregory Fontaine. We'll, we'll put a link to that survey that we were talking about in the notes to this, uh, to this podcast. So you can have a look if you're interested. Um, this is the Scrum.org Community Podcast. I was, I guess I still am your host, Dave West, here at, at Scrum.org. Uh, we were fortunate today to have Gregory Fontaine based in Tokyo talking to us a little bit about Japan and agility. That really interesting topic. We could have gone on for hours, but there'll be future episodes um, about this and other topics that... Uh, that the scrum.org community and maybe you all finds interesting. So thanks for listening. We really appreciate you being there. Have a fantastic day and uh, scrum on everybody.